Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Tonight, I, I want to read the first seven verses of the book of Acts, chapter 6. And uh, I know it's hard to believe that I'm going to be preaching out the book of Acts tonight, but um, as hard as it is to believe, I am going to. So the first seven verses, New King James. In those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there rose a complaint against the Hebrews from the Hellenists or the Greeks because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples, or they gathered the congregation. They said, it's not desirable that we would leave the word of God and serve tables or to manage this problem. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men, good, good reputation. Here's their qualifications, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom that we can appoint over this business. And the Bible says that the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid hands on them. The results are the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So, in anticipation of Sunday, and of course beyond Sunday, but Sunday will be apostolically epic. And God is going to do miracles. Let me tell you how this works. I, I, I. God is going to do miracles in this place. That's right, because he's going to be here. He wants to do it. And we're going to pray and believe God for the supernatural. So, uh, pastor will tell you, but pastors look for signals that are confirmations that what we're doing is the will of God or this is a season that uh, God wants to do these things. And... Uh, too many Christians make up their mind what they're going to do, and then they ask God to bless it. Rather than, let's pray and seek God and find out what God's already blessing, and then let's do that. Let's let him set the agenda. Let's let him decide. Not, you know, God is not our cosmic bellboy that we're... Hey, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're his people. We're his children. And he is our God. <laughs> See, God has this problem. He walks around half the time thinking he's God. And uh, so I had a little signal a couple of Sunday mornings ago. I was just making my way toward uh, my place to, in the house of the Lord. And a man stopped me 
And he said, will you pray for me? I said, sure. Worship's going on. Um, he said, I have asthma. And the first thing I thought of was I lived almost half of my life before I ever saw anybody healed of asthma. And on one Sunday, some of you were there at Evangel Temple. The evangelist we had said, there are five people here that have asthma. And I want you to come forward. God's going to heal you. So four people didn't come forward. Six people didn't come. Five came. And uh, so he prayed for them, and God healed them, every one. Now, that's an unusual miracle because asthma is one of those things that it's, if you've suffered from it, it's sort of hard to believe God for something that you've had your whole life, a condition you've had your whole life, that God's going to take care of that. And uh, so that's the first thing that came to my mind. And so we prayed together a simple prayer. I did sense that God touched him. Um, And so uh, I said, let me know when you know what God has done. And he texted me about five days later. And he said, I just want you to know. I have had not, not had one single attack of asthma. <laughs> to God be the glory. But that's a signal to me and to you and to all of us. Pastors talk about miracles that we have seen recently at the Life Church. And so this is a time to believe God for great things. Miracles. Pastor's vision is that the life church would be known as a church where if you need a miracle, if you can just get to the life church. And I know that there are some even here tonight who need and desire and want a miracle. Everybody say in Jesus' name. So with that being said and with Sunday in our future, I want to just give a Bible study on the life of Philip. And I'm just going to call this Following Philip. Following Philip, the path to apostolic ministry. Following Philip, the path to apostolic ministry. I would say that as I peruse the congregation tonight, that every one of us wants to be used by God. There's not one person here that would like to spend the rest of their life and never be used by God to make a difference. We all want to make a difference. And we have everything. We've been equipped by God with everything we need to have an impact and to make a difference. And the greatest tool that God could ever give any of us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then when that gift begins to manifest in subsequent gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, that's the Greek word doron, but the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is the charisma. Two different words. 
You have to have the Doron before you can be used in the charisma. But if God gives you the dunamis, the Doron power, then any one or all of those gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healing, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, you become a candidate to be used in any one or all of those gifts. And so we are equipped, the church is equipped with everything that we need to be used by God. And the life of Philip perhaps in some way demonstrates a path. If you want to know what the path is to the supernatural, if you want to know what the path is to being used by God, perhaps in a greater dimension than you ever have. And I want to just, let me say that uh, we expect called preachers to be used by God in this way. But I'm telling you tonight that in the book of Acts, the saints did miracles. God used them, the saints of God. Not ordained ministers alone, but God used saints of God. This is what we call the priesthood of the believers. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. And God wants to use every one of us to fulfill Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God. Amen. I want to see God do that. I want to see God use you and use me and use all of us. Praise God. We could have a hundred miracles here Sunday. Praise God. And you know what? Pastor doesn't have to pray for all of them. He doesn't have to lay hands on them. We're going to lay hands on them, and God's going to do something. God's going to move. God's going to do something. And so Philip, his life appears to be a continually ascending trajectory toward apostolic ministry. Philip has a humble beginning, but he just keeps rising and growing and maturing and developing. And when he's faithful with whatever is placed in his hands, God gives him something more. Isn't that the biblical principle? Isn't that what Jesus said? If you're faithful with a few things, you'll have a few more things that I will place in your hands. So when we're introduced to Philip here in Acts chapter 6, he is probably a relatively young man, perhaps in his 20s. But the Acts account of Philip's life encompasses some 25 years. So let's say he's 25 in Acts chapter 6. And by the time we get to the latter portion of the book of Acts, he's perhaps 50 years old. So in the next 20 minutes, we're going to look at 25 years of Philip's life. Check out his resume. He has a good reputation full of wisdom, 
full of the Holy Ghost. He's qualified for ministry because he has character. He's submitted. He has the right attitude. He's unanimously selected to the first deacon board in the first church. He's ordained by the apostles. That's sort of prestigious. I'd like to have the apostles sign my license. That'd be nice. He becomes an evangelist slash preacher. He, if he's not the church planter in Samaria, he's certainly on the team to initiate a church in Samaria. He's a disciple maker. He is a man that's led by the Spirit. He's wise in the Word of God, which means he studies. He knows what's in the Bible. His Bible was the Old Testament, and he knows it really well. In fact, he knows it so well, he can preach Jesus right out of the Old Testament before he was even born. But Jesus walks through the entire Old Testament prophetically in the envisaging of God as the Son of God to take away the sin of the world. So he's wise in the word. Philip is visited by an angel. Not bad to put on your resume. And the angel gave him a special message. Philip ignited a revival in an untapped area called Samaria. In the first century, Israel was divided into three regions, or you could say three counties in our language. The northern county was Galilee. The middle county was Samaria, which also had the capital city of Samaria. And then the southern was Judea. And so Philip goes to Samaria, and then God directs him to leave the hottest revival perhaps he's ever seen, except for the day of Pentecost. And he goes out to the desert, and he's led by the Spirit, and he meets a man from Ethiopia. He gives him the gospel message. He baptizes him. Uh, And so Philip triggers a revival in Ethiopia, and he never even went there. And Philip is the only man in the Bible to experience, and this is going to be my word for it. I don't even know if it's a word, but teleportation. If you ever watched Star Trek, you know a little bit what I'm talking about. Well, see, I'm a communicator. I'll use any device I can to explain what's going on. And he's in the pool, some pool in a desert, and he, and he gets caught away 20 miles away and he gets drop shipped in Azotus and you know that would be sort of a cool ending that would be a, a you know how, how does it get more spiritual than that he could have spent the rest of his life talking about his teleportation I was once teleported <laughs> how about you <laughs> And yet, there was more for Philip. I love this about him. He gets dropped by the Holy Ghost in Azotus. 
And he doesn't say, let's build three tabernacles right here. Let's bow and worship me. I must be amazing. No, no, no. He starts preaching. And he's headed for Caesarea, and he preaches in every little town, every little burg, every little village where there are listeners. He preaches Jesus all the way to Caesarea. And then he's not done. He's married, and he has at least four children that we know of. They're all daughters. And that's not all. They prophesy. They're prophetesses. Not just one of them. All four. What does that tell us? It tells us something about the family culture. It tells us something about the home. Does it not? You don't just wake up one morning and your four daughters are prophesying and all you did was take them to soccer and, you know, on picnics and then they're prophesying one day. No. What's going on? Philip and his wife are making disciples and they're teaching their daughters how to pray and they're having prayer meetings in their house. And their house is a worship center. If they'd have had a CD player, they'd be having worship music. And, and they're seeking God and having uh, time with the Lord at home. And something else I love about Philip's house is that apparently it was a desirable stopping off place for prophets. Because... Paul sought out Philip's house. When he came to Caesarea, he's staying at Philip's house. You want to stay at the, uh, the Crown Plaza? No. You want to stay at the, uh, the Holiday Inn? No. Where do you want to stay? I want to stay at Philip's house. Why do you want to stay at Philip's? Because his wife cooks good? No. Because I know there's going to be a spiritual atmosphere there. I know the prophetic is going to be in operation there. I know that we're going to get in a prayer meeting and other prophets stop by Philip's house like Agabus. I prayed today, Lord, I want to, I want to have a house where the prophets want to come by. I want to have a house where the angels want to come by. Brother Stone King says the angels traffic over the top of his house. I want that. Come on. I want that. I want to attract that in my house, in my neighborhood. If you want that, say, I want that. Amen. So there's a way to get it. There's a way to have it. So chapter 6 opens up at the second annual business meeting of the first century church. Peter calls the meeting to order. Probably has Matthew read the minutes from the previous business meeting where Judas was replaced. And Peter appoints the tabulating committee, the roster committee, the parliamentary committee. They go over Robert's rules of order. He reminds everybody to pay their tithes and offerings. He... <laughs> Sorry. It's tough when you have an imagination and you read the Bible. Now, Philip emerges in this meeting for one reason. There's a problem. Everybody say there's a problem. Turn to somebody and say there's a problem. And i got to tell you, 
When I read that again today, that really encouraged me. You mean the first church, the perfect, right out of the gates, infant baby church is not perfect? Yeah. Thank God. And 2,000 years later, the church still isn't perfect. And if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin everything. That goes for me, too. (laughs) And there's a problem. But Philip doesn't surface because he's the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, you never want to surface in a church because you're the problem. Have a nice day. But it's okay to surface if you are a part of solving the problem. If you are a part of the solution. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the troublemakers. Paul said, live peaceably with all men as much as you possibly can. Turn to somebody and say, live peaceably. Uh, I love peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God should be marked with peace. I was in a service somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole, and uh, there was a guest speaker there, and I was also visiting. But I knew a little bit about the church, and he had never been there. And during the worship service, he came over to me. He was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. And he said, he's, I'm telling he was pacing. I saw him. He come over to me. He goes, Brother Gleason, what is going on in this church? I said, what do you mean? He said, There's, he said the spiritual activity in this church is chaotic. I said, oh, we'll talk about that later. It's time for you to preach. (laughs) And thank God, God moved in and probably handled a lot of that stuff. Uh, So I, I love peace. I value peace. I work for peace. And uh, obviously Philip did. He was not a part of the problem. He became a part of the solution. So let me just unpack a little bit more of Philip. He had a good reputation. Everybody said he had a good name. He probably had a real high credit score. He was not a jerk. He didn't go around blowing people up. We don't need any of those people. We need people that have good reputations, people who are honest, who pay their bills, who have good attitudes, no prima donnas, no high maintenance, unsubmitted dead weights. This is all Greek for losers. <laughs> you will go nowhere fast if the elders and your fellow Brothers and sisters in the church, don't speak or think well of you. So work hard at your reputation. This is a prerequisite to being chosen. 
by God. Um, the Bible is silent about another observation, but I think I can derive this observation. We can well assume that Philip was well embedded in the first century church culture. I don't think Philip was, you know, sitting on a pew, twiddling his thumbs, missing four out of five worship services, but he's faithful. He's, he's doing the work of the ministry, which the apostles have already demonstrated that they've released the saints to do. He's doing that. He's, he's teaching. He's making disciples. He's, he's perhaps baptizing, and he's laying hands on the sick, and he's doing the works that Jesus said the believers would do in Mark chapter 16. And so, in other words, he's activated. And I will tell you that God, if he's looking for somebody, he's going to come alongside someone that's already in motion, someone that's already moving. He doesn't hire from the unemployment line. He doesn't ask people to do things who have nothing to do. But he finds people that are busy. I mean, look at Philip. He's in the hottest revival. He start, you know, had something to do with the start of it. And God sends him right out of there to the next big thing. And you don't get teleported and have angels come and visit you unless you're doing big stuff. You say, oh, I don't see angels. Well, I'd sure like to be teleported. Well, reach for something great. I don't know. God may need to teleport you from Kansas City to somewhere else. I don't know. That'd be cool. That'd be all right if it was on a mission. If you're on, I don't know what happened, Pastor, when I got up. You know, C.P. Thomas was teleported. Did you know that? He's praying at the mountain, some mountain that used to go. I've been to the mountain. He was praying all day long and, you know, interceding for his nation and his state and his people. And he said that when he opened his eyes, he'd lost track of time and it was dark. Now, friends, that's a prayer meeting. And he said, Jesus, how am I going to get home? I can't walk back through the jungle in the dark because of the animals. I'll, I'll, I could lose my life. And, he, and he, when he's praying this, he's got his eyes closed. And he said when he opened his eyes, he was kneeling in his living room. It was like a two-hour walk. And he said he, he, had a, he didn't know if it had, what was going on. You can imagine how it would mess your mind up. He said, I didn't know if I ever left. He said, my wife comes walking in the, into that living room. And she says, how did you get in here? The doors are locked. And then he, he looked down. And he wasn't sure if he'd actually left the house or not until he saw the mud and grass stains in his knees, on his pants. And he realized that he had been praying and kneeling all day. I've never had that experience. But that's a signal to him. God has big plans. God has purpose. And he needs you to be safe. And he needs you to be okay. So... Philip was teleported. He's, the Bible says he's full of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. The word wisdom here means thoughtful, discreet, intelligent. Can I just have a moment right here? 
This means he was sharp. God knows the apostolic church needs thoughtful, discreet, intelligent, sharp people. And thank God our church is full of people just like that. He's full of wisdom. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you read the phrase full of, it means controlled by. Philip and these other six men are full of the Holy Ghost, controlled by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Not controlled by their spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we check our egos at the door. When it's kingdom business, we check what we want. We push that to the back. I've had to do this my whole life. There's a lot of things I would like to say, and you say, well, Brother Gleason, you said some important, impressive things. You'd be more impressed by what I didn't say. (laughs) And we have to be led by the Spirit and controlled by biblical, godly wisdom. Listen, people, you don't get wisdom unless you spend time in this. And there's a wisdom that comes from God. And others around you will know it. The church certainly did. So don't be controlled by your emotions, social media, someone else's attitude, the wrong voices. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, so I, I don't have time to unpack the problem. We've well rehearsed that at our church. The problem was racism. And the apostles didn't ignore it. They hit it head on. They managed it, and it was taken care of peaceably. This thing between the Hebrew and the Greek widows, and uh, thank God they were able to mitigate that and brought peace to the body of Christ. But here's what I want you to get. This is probably going to be my last point. I don't know. I got four minutes, but Philip. And the six others came under spiritual authority because the apostles laid hands on them. Think about this. To serve tables. They didn't lay hands on them to go start churches. They didn't lay hands on them to go open nations. They didn't lay hands on them to go do crusades. They laid hands on them to go serve crabby old widows. I'm not sure what version that is, <laughs> but it's basically what was going on. And I've never seen one of those myself. Uh, certainly not at the Life Church. But they came under spiritual authority. Here's the point don't minimize and don't discount. Little things. The Bible says don't despise the day of small things, little things. Some of you know Jeff Arnold, who rose to one of the greatest preachers of UPCI. He started out doing magic for children in Sunday school. That's where he started. He had a little frog named Freddy the Frog. He started doing Freddy the Frog to entertain children. And then he preaches the largest 
most sought-after venues in our fellowship. Be, come under authority. If you don't come under authority, if you're not under spiritual authority, you won't be promoted. And you won't move forward with the blessing of spiritual authority. But when you come under it, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, I have to lay hands on you or pastor has to lay hands on you or somebody needs to lay hands on you. It could mean that. At some point, somebody needs to lay hands on you in a prayer meeting someplace. But if you feel like God is directing you, go to your pastor and say, I really would like to serve in this area. I feel strongly directed of the Lord. Would you pray with me about this? You come under that spiritual authority. Guess what? You won't be serving tables for the rest of your life. And who could have predicted when the persecution hit the church in Acts chapter 8 that Philip would be the first one down to Samaria? The woman at the well in conversation with Jesus, the seed was already planted. The revival was there percolating. God was hovering, incubating that revival, and now Philip comes, boom, he preaches Jesus, miracles, wonders, signs, devils cast out. Simon the sorcerer, he takes authority over his influence, and Simon's baptized, and, and, and then he's, he's shipped off to the desert, and then the rest of the story that I've shared with you. So I'm, let's stand. I just... I hope that perhaps I've said something tonight. There are other things that we could say. But I want you to notice that Philip not only was laid hands on by the apostles and was under authority, but he stayed under that authority. In fact, please hear this. The Holy Spirit could not fall in Samaria until the authority came. Peter and John had to come. Philip was baptizing. There was miracles. Devils were being cast out. But the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And Philip didn't get an attitude and say, well, I've already had hands laid on me. It ought to happen here for me. No. He sends a message. The apostles heard that they were baptized in Samaria. Peter has to be there. There's a theological um, constraint on Philip. And he better bring in the authority or the Holy Ghost isn't falling. But when Peter shows up and John shows up, the Holy Ghost falls. I'm saying that, that Philip understood that he's not a lone ranger. He didn't get drunk on his success. He didn't just run off and, you know, get lifted up in his pride. And if God ever starts using you, he knows how to pull in the reins. And to humble you very quickly unless you stay under spiritual authority and that protection. And Peter and John came and the Holy Spirit fell. And Philip's job was finished and the Lord sent him into the desert. Praise God. Tonight, I want to challenge you to get on a path to be used by God. Don't just come to church. Don't just be on the praise team. Don't just be in the band. Don't just, I'm not minimizing any of this. You know, teach a class, serve on the board, 
serve on our ushering team. We thank God for all of that. But it's going to take all of us to reach this community. And we have to have every gift in the body of Christ in full operation. So discover who you are. Amen. If you've never had a miracle, tonight you could have your first miracle. Or this Sunday, you can have your first miracle. Or between tonight and Sunday, you can have your first miracle. If you get on the path, submission, peacemaking, have a spiritual atmosphere in your home, raise up children that love God, and come under spiritual authority. Let's come around the front, and we're going to pray for our service on Sunday. We're going to pray that God is going to do great things. We're going to intercede right now that God will use pastor to bring a word of faith and that faith will come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Let's let's press in and let's pray. Let's just have a, a five-minute prayer meeting right now. Praise God. Amen. And pray that God will use you. Pray that God will use you. Lord, I want to see a miracle with my own eyes, Lord. I've never seen deaf ears unstopped. I've never seen blind eyes open. I've never seen anybody come out of a wheelchair. Lord, I've never heard about anybody healed of diabetes. Lord, I want to see cancer healed, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let the word come powerfully. Let the word come mightily. Lord God, let this church, Lord, take another step into the apostolic. Lord, let the life church go to a new level. In the apostolic, oh God, in the book of Acts, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to see it. We want to see it. Lord, let the gifts in this church operate. Lord, let the gifts in this church operate. Let every gift come alive. Let every gift become activated. Hallelujah. Let there be no doubt. Lord, let there be no doubt. But let there be nothing but faith. Faith, oh God, to see you do great things among us. Great things among us. Great things among us. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, let's pray that sinners will repent. Let's pray that believers will be baptized. Let's pray that the baptized in water will be baptized in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, let the Holy Spirit move in this house. Let the Holy Spirit fall in this place. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.